fighting has now broken out between Wagner mercenaries and the Russian military in Voronezh, with Wagner claiming a Russian helicopter opened fire on a convoy of their vehicles making their way towards the capital, Moscow. Vladimir Putin says Russia is facing a battle for its future in the face of an armed mutiny in the country. The president has accused the group of treason and has signed a law permitting 30-day detentions for breaking martial law in places where it's been imposed. So let's just take you through the latest developments. Now, the head of the Wagner mercenary group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, says his fighters have taken over Rostov. Tanks were seen in the city earlier, which is the military command center for the Russian army in Ukraine. Then Wagner troops also appear to be taking action in the Voronezh region, which lies halfway between Rostov and Moscow, over 600 kilometers north on the M4 highway. There are reports of fighting between Russian troops and Wagner mercenaries in and around the city of Voronezh and an arms dump in Voronezh has been set on fire. Now, this is a key city en route to Moscow, just eight hours from the capital, where security has been tightened. Armed vehicles have also been seen, been seen patrolling the streets. So let's show you the latest pictures we have. They've been uh, verified by BBC Verify. And in the distance, you can see a military helicopter in Voronezh uh, flying over an urban area and a last to the right of the shot, which we believe to be an oil depot in the area. Our security correspondent, Gordon Carrera, has this. A mutiny, perhaps even the start of a civil war. Mercenaries belonging to the Wagner group, who'd been fighting for Russia in Ukraine, now appear to have seized control of the Russian city of Rostov-on-Don. Residents have been told to stay indoors. One took these pictures, which have been confirmed by BBC Verify. The head of the Wagner group, Evgeny Prigozhin, posted a video said to be from this morning in which he appears outside the city's military headquarters, saying he's also taken control of the local airfield. And in another video, he appears arguing with two officials, one the deputy defence minister. He demands to see the heads of the Russian military, with whom he's been engaging in a bitter public feud, claiming they are responsible for the death of many of his men in Ukraine. The guys are dying because you're pushing them into a meat grinder. Without munitions, without any thoughts, without any plan. You are just ageing clowns. Once again, we came here and we want to see the Chief of Staff and the Russian Defence Minister. Until they come here, we will stay. We will block the city of Rostov and go towards Moscow. And in Moscow today, signs of how seriously this was being taken, with new anti-terrorist measures being introduced in the capital. This morning, a visibly angry Vladimir Putin was forced to appear on TV to speak to the Russian people. Any internal mutiny is a serious threat to our state, our nation. It is a blow to Russia, a blow to our people, and our actions to defend the state against this threat will be harsh. So who is Evgeny Prigozhin? After time in jail, he went into the catering business, catching the eye of Russia's leader. That led to him becoming known as Putin's chef, 
lucrative military contracts followed. Linked to interference in America's 2016 election, he became best known as head of the Wagner Group, a private military force acting for the Russian state. It fought in Africa and Syria. It grew increasingly prominent and important following last year's invasion of Ukraine. Prigozhin recruited prisoners to fight in the war, but he became increasingly angry with Moscow's military leadership, saying they were using his men as cannon fodder and failing to provide ammunition and support. In recent weeks, his video messages became increasingly angry. There was a sense that a crisis was coming to a head. Pictures verified by the BBC show smoke rising close to the city of Veronezh. BBC News Russian sources say Wagner fighters have taken control of military facilities in that city, which lies on the road to Moscow. With Wagner forces in control of Rostov and apparently on the move, there have been reports unconfirmed of airstrikes. For the moment, it's unclear how this crisis will be resolved and with what level of violence. Gordon Carrera, BBC News. OK, the latest development uh, in this uh, growing escalation of fighting between essentially uh, Russian uh, forces and uh, Wagner fighters is that Wagner fighters have been promised an amnesty if they lay down their weapons, but they need to act fast. Now, this is being reported via the Reuters news agency and uh, picked up uh, following a comment that was made by a lawmaker to TASS. Now, we've been saying TASS quite a bit, haven't we? So who is TASS? Um, they are actually the Russian news agency, and it's a Russian state-owned uh, news agency. Another development is that uh, we understand that uh, Turkey's President Erdogan has spoken with Russia's Vladimir Putin by phone and uh, emphasizing the need to act with common sense, again via the Reuters news agency and uh, from a statement uh, from the Turkish presidency. So those are the latest developments and we'll bring you more as and when we get it. Well, our correspondent, Andrew Harding, is in the Donbass region of Ukraine, and he told us about the reaction there to the developments in Russia. This morning, we were out early on the front lines near Bakhmut, this city that's been so pulverized by the Russians who've now occupied the city. The Ukrainians, though, now launching fierce counterattacks. And we were just back from those front lines with, as you say, some Ukrainian medics. Everybody had heard the news from Russia. Everybody who's not directly involved in the fighting has been consuming, devouring this news of the chaos in their enemy camp and many people delighted but I'd also say quite cautious one young Russian medic said if there's a revolution in Moscow I'm gonna get very drunk he said that with a big grin but his boss then turned around and said look it's way too early for that I think we need to be very cautious yes this could help us but the fact is there's furious fighting going on, the Ukrainians taking heavy casualties. We saw two and heard of seven more casualties just in the hour or two we were there. Russians also taking heavy casualties. Now, clearly, this has happened at an opportune time for the Ukrainians. They've just started this big counteroffensive, but they haven't got anywhere close to top gear. And if their enemy is divided and presumably quite demoralized by what's going on back in Russia, then that can only help 
the Ukrainians. But I also heard expressions of concern, real concern, from people who say, look, if the Kremlin is cornered or divided, then who knows what could happen. Perhaps they could try and trigger some kind of nuclear accident in Ukrainian-occupied territory. There's a power plant there and so on. So there's a sense that anything could happen. That same jittery feeling I suppose many Russians are also feeling right now. And that was Andrew Harding. Joining me now is the former British ambassador to Russia, Sir Tony Brenton. Thank you for joining us here on the programme. So what's the current situation between Prigozhin and Putin? Well, they were very close, of course, a long time ago. But over the last few weeks, Prigozhin has become increasingly demented. He's already always been hostile of the performance of the Russian armed forces. He's become louder, more aggressive, pretty, come pretty close to directly criticising Putin himself. And... In a way, this crisis has been visibly coming for the last two or three weeks. The astonishing thing about it is that Putin ought to have seen it coming and ought to have been able to see it off some time ago. And it shows a, a deep lack of attention to the threats that surround his regime that he failed to do that. And he's now in the, in the current crisis. And what are the chances that he will take power in Russia? The Prigozhin will take power. Yes. I think very low. I mean... All the normal people are out now saying this is doomed for Putin. I know people have been predicting Putin's doom for the last 10 years. Putin, I mean, Prigozhin has perhaps 10,000 troops. Good troops, battle-hardened, all of that, but is not a competitor against the Russian armed forces if they turn the full mass of their force on him. Putin has rhetoric on his side. He's described Prigozhin as a traitor and as a mutineer. He has very strong language in Russia a country which is very conscious of how it has to hang together when it is externally threatened or in an external challenge as it sees itself as being at the moment with the West and with Ukraine. So the odds have to be on the side of Putin to, to see this off. But what it says about his judgment and about the strength of his regime going forward has to be negative. Um, and what does this mean for the war in Ukraine? Well, I mean, the Ukrainians have been saying, we knew this, I mean, Putin's a busted flush with that. That was predictable. I suspect they will be looking for ways to take advantage of the situation, a, a, an effective attack somewhere, because it's worth noting that the only bit of the Russian side of the war which has succeeded in anything in the last eight months has been Prigozhin and his, his Wagner group. Um, so they'll be looking for ways of making Putin look even weaker, diminishing the support which he is confident of getting within Russia, and hopefully pushing Russia in the direction of throwing Putin out. So how crucial do you think the next few hours will be? Well, very, and absolutely crucial. If it happens, I mean, for the moment, it looks as if Prigozhin's forces are proceeding up the M4 highway towards Moscow. If they gather support in the course of that advance, then Putin may be in deep trouble. Now, I suspect, as I say, that they won't. The majority of the forces in Russia, the Russian military leadership, for example, their survival depends upon Putin surviving. So I suspect that the system will rally and will deal quite brutally and effectively with Prigozhin. But there's no guarantee of that. And if you watch Putin in his five-minute broadcast uh, in reaction to all that's happened, he is obviously very angry, but also rather nervous about the way things have gone. So, Tony, um, how do you go from a hot dog trader to leading a military force? I wonder if you could give us some context. No, well, well, I can a bit. I mean, Prigozhin was, ran a restaurant in um, 
uh, in St. Petersburg at the time that um, Putin was deputy governor there, right at the beginning of his political career. Uh, they got together, they got to know each other, supposed criminal links, all of that. Prigozhin is in some ways Putin's kind of guy. He's tough, he's macho, he's the sort of person whom Putin instinctively supports and adheres to. And the reason we've got to this most recently is that the Russian armed forces have frankly performed appallingly in dealing with the Ukrainians. And Prigozhin has been there as a constant goad and threat and demonstrator that the Russian armed forces, Russia, should be doing better, which is why Prigozhin has lasted for as long as he has. He's now plainly stepped over the boundaries, and we'll see what the effect of that is. But worrying for Putin is that Prigozhin has a lot of popular resonance within Russia. He's a sort mm -hmm. of top tough guy. There's a lot of Russian nationalists, a lot of them so-called defense bloggers and so on, sort of tough guy whom uh, mm. this nationalist strand, in, in Russian opinion, wants to see directing a much tougher Russian approach to the war in Ukraine. Um, just very quickly, strategically, obviously we're talking about that M4 corridor, and how, how much do you think that is going to play a key role in Wagner's advance on Moscow in terms of the supply lines and the, the military arsenal? I mean, where does Wagner get their weapons from? Well, Wagner have bases, and I don't know in detail what they've got, but they've got bases in a lot of places. As I said, they've got a lot of popular sympathy. They've got well-armed, battle-hardened troops. And I assume that setting this advance going and starting off in Rostov and then in Voronezh, which is already halfway to Moscow from Rostov, they are expecting other parts of the Russian military and security apparatus to gather around and support them against what Prigozhin describes as the failed military leadership of Russia in Moscow. And the key thing over the next few hours is whether there is any resonance, whether there is any positive response to that call. Okay, uh, Sir Tony Branton, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you. Just to bring you the latest development, and it's been reported um, via the AFP news agency that the governor of the Kaluga region, which is just south of the capital, Moscow, has said that travel restrictions have, have been imposed. We know that some residents uh, in towns along that M4 have been told uh, to stay indoors. Well, let us uh, look more about at how things are being viewed in Moscow. Our Russia editor is there for us, and he gave us uh, the detail of the timeline of events over the last 24 hours. 16 months ago today, Vladimir Putin addressed the Russian nation to announce the start of his so-called special military operation, the full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And at the time, he looked supremely confident. Well, 16 months on, once again, President Putin has addressed the Russian people in very different circumstances, with Russia facing an armed mutiny. And I think for Vladimir Putin, it was important to go on television to try to show the Russian people that he is in charge, in control of the situation. His address was full of references to treachery, to betrayal. He described what Wagner is doing as a stab in the back of the country and the Russian people. Now, that is something that Yevgeny Prigozhin, the Wagner chief, disagrees with. Uh, Wagner fighters came across from Ukraine into Russia. They entered Rostov, the big regional capital in, in southern Russia, and have taken control of military sites there. And some reports say they are now moving north. Mr. Prigozhin says 
his beef is with the Russian military, not so much with the Kremlin. And it looks like he wants to topple the Russian military leadership. Uh, Steve Rosenberg uh, there. Next, we're going to cross uh, to our newsroom and speak to Nikki Schiller, who's going to tell us a little bit more about the geography of these latest developments. Hi, Nikki. Hello. Yeah, geography very key in all of what we've been talking about over the last couple of hours. And we've been mentioning a lot of cities, so I thought it'd be a good idea to show you exactly where they are. So here we have a map of Ukraine, and you can see Kiev marked, and we've also got Russia with Moscow, and down here is Crimea. I want to draw your attention to this red area. Now, this is the area of Ukraine that we think is under Russian military control. And until yesterday, that could have included the Wagner operation as well, because, of course, they have been fighting with Russian forces in this area with the Ukraine counteroffensive that's been going on. Now, the other city that we've mentioned a lot today is Rostov-on-Don. Now, that is about 100 kilometers from the border with Ukraine. Now, what we think has happened is that the Wagner mercenary group have moved into Rostov-on-Don. They say they have taken control of it. Now, it is a key city. The reason it is the headquarters of the Russian Southern Military Command. It's also used by the army as a bit of a staging post for things like fuel and ammunition and also a number of troops are kept there before they go into Ukraine. So the Wagner group say they have control of that. They have also moved to the city of Voronezh and they did that going up this M4 motorway. Now this it normally would be about an eight-hour drive. Now at the moment we are getting unconfirmed reports of fighting in Voronezh between Russian forces and Wagner mercenaries. We also, our sources within BBC News Russia say that they, the Wagner group may have taken over some key military sites there. You've also seen earlier those pictures of the oil depot on fire. Now, why is this city important to the Wagner group? Well, if you look, Rostov-on-Don and Moscow up here, this is halfway between the two cities. And it is understood from the UK Ministry of Defence that the ultimate aim of the Wagner Group could be to make it to Moscow, which they would do maybe up this M4 corridor. Now, also, there is a city that we have just come into, Lepetsk. Now, the governor of Lepetsk says that there are Wagner forces in that region at the moment. And certainly our BBC Verify team have verified pictures of a Wagner convoy in that region. And I just want to show you as well the Google Maps traffic because this has given us a really interesting insight. All of these red dots from Voronezh here are traffic blocks and I've been monitoring this over the last couple of hours and these blocks are going further and further up the M4 corridor than they were. So that could mean that we really are pushing into Moscow territory. Lepetsk is about 300 kilometers from Moscow. So if that is the ultimate aim of the Wagner Group, they are currently in this region at the moment, Lequesa. Okay, thank you. And Nikki, just to add very quickly, if you could just keep that map up for us uh, just for a short time, remind our viewers of our latest breaking news, latest development. And this is coming from the, gov the governor of the Kaluga region, who said that uh, travel restrictions have been imposed. Now, this is a region which is south of Moscow, uh, which is the capital, just at the top of your screen there. Yes, it's uh, got Nikki. Moscow here. Yeah. yeah. So and, it's going to um, be in this area, I think, uh, between uh, near the Lepetsk, that sort of area is yeah. where we're talking. 
And, and I understand that the, the, the city of Kaluga is only 150 kilometers southwest of Moscow, which is 93 miles as well. We'll have more on that, and I know you will in the next hour, Nikki. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Now, the British government's emergency COBRA committee will meet to discuss the situation in Russia. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has been asked about it by the BBC's Laura Koonsberg. Prime Minister, what's happening in Russia is clearly very significant. Do you think this might be a coup against Vladimir Putin? Well, we've been monitoring for a while now the potentially destabling impacts of Russia's illegal war in Ukraine. We're keeping a close eye on the situation as it's evolving on the ground as we speak. We're in touch with our allies and, in fact, I'll be speaking to some of them later today. Uh, but the most important thing I'd say is for all parties to be responsible and to protect civilians. And that's about as much as I can say at this moment. The Ministry of Defence, though, has said online this morning this is the most significant threat to the Russian state in recent times. Is, is that right? How do you see it? I'd say that we've been monitoring for a while the potential of Russia's in illegal invasion in Ukraine to be destabilizing. And that's obviously this, you've seen the situation as it's developing. We're keeping a close eye on that. We're in touch with our allies as the situation evolves. I'll be speaking to some of them later today. And the most important thing is for all parties to behave responsibly, responsibly and to protect civilian lives. When people look at this, I mean, is it good news or bad news that Vladimir Putin's being challenged? Again, it's, it's an evolving situation. And I think the right thing at this juncture is for us to make sure that we're on top of it, that we're in touch with our allies, which we are, and I'll be speaking to them later today, and that we call on all parties to exercise responsibility and to protect civilian lives. I think that's the most important thing for us in the UK to be doing at this juncture. Have you heard from uh, President Zelensky about what's going on yet? As I said, I'm in touch with our allies. I'll be speaking to some of them later today, uh, as you would expect us to be coordinated on, on a situation like this, but it is evolving as we speak. And just last question, if there are British citizens remaining in Moscow or in Russia, for example, we know a lot of people obviously have left, but do you have advice for British citizens in Russia at the moment while this is going on? So we've had long-standing travel advice against travel to Russia. Uh, that on the Foreign Office website, people should regularly check that. But it has been long. We've had long-standing advice uh, advising against uh, travel to, to Russia for all the obvious reasons. But people should keep uh, checking the Foreign Office website for updates. Okay. Just to bring you um, another reaction here, international reaction, the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says that we are in contact with our allies and will continue to monitor the situation closely, saying, the, saying that the Incident Response Group will meet on Saturday to discuss the latest developments in Russia. So reaction there from the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, our British viewers can hear more of the interview with the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on Sunday with Laura Koonsberg. OK, let's uh, move on now to get more analysis. As we've heard, President Zelensky has been reacting to events in Russia, saying that Russia's weakness is obvious and that the longer Russia keeps troops in Ukraine, the more chaos it will see. Our correspondent Zana Vespiechuk is in Kyiv and she told us more about the reaction there. First of all, what I saw in Kyiv today in the morning, almost everybody was monitoring following the news uh, from Russia. Uh, for many, many Ukrainians, uh, this scenario, which is now happening, uh, unfolding in Russia, um, uh, was seen as um, realistic, as absolutely plausible. So now um, people do understand that these developments on the Russian ground might have 
very high impact on uh, the war, on the situation on the front line. And uh, I have to acknowledge that uh, there is a kind of hope that even potentially, hypothetically, they might mean the quick end to this war. One of the first uh, responses, reactions uh, to um, uh, what was called by the Russian president mutiny in uh, Russia came from the secretary of the Ukrainian National Security Council, uh, Alexei Danilov. He's one of those uh, persons from the Ukrainian government who used to command first or one or first uh, on such things, on the first uh, developments during this war. And he said that he thinks that it's the beginning of the self-destruction of Russia, that this um, situation might uh, help Ukraine to regain uh, its territories and come back to the borders of 1991. It means that regain of all territories which are occupied by Russia now, including the Crimea. Uh, and uh, in general, um, he, he provided very optimistic view of uh, these um, developments uh, in Russia. And uh, the Ukrainian president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, um, by the way, he underlined, highlighted it's the full-scale weakness of Russia. So he uh, said that um, the longer Russia continues uh, war on Ukraine, on the Ukrainian ground, the more chaos and wolves it gets on its own ground. That was our correspondent, Zana Bespiacek, with the latest in Russia. This is BBC News. Hello, this is BBC News and I'm Lequesta Burek. So let us uh, continue our coverage of the latest developments in Russia and uh, analyse who Yevgeny Prigozhin is. Now, he's the leader of the Wagner Group. BBC verifies Olga Robinson has this profile of the man who leads the Wagner Group. His first exposure to Russia's elite was as a caterer, which earned him the nickname Putin's chef. He's also suspected of using online trolls to meddle in the 2016 US election. And Prigozhin provided mercenaries in places like Syria, serving the Kremlin's interests, but offering Putin plausible deniability. Something which continued when Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine. When progress stalled, the Wagner Group was brought in to help, transforming Prigozhin into a public figure and one of the key voices in support of the war. But as Wagner's death toll soared, his relationship with Russia's military worsened. Here he is in May, surrounded by bodies of his fighters, swearing at Russia's defense minister and the head of armed forces. There's evidence that this approach is appealing to hardline supporters of the war. And a recent poll asking Russians which public figures they trust most features Prigozhin in the top five for the first time. Putin. Whether this rise in popularity bothers Putin is impossible to say. Some experts think the infighting may be playing into Putin's hands as he likes controlled competition. Divide and rule. He divides the army into two powerful centers of power. So you have the regular army and then you have Prigozhin. It's just Putin's typical style. It's what he does. And so it remains unclear where this spat between Prigozhin and the defense ministry will end and how it will affect the war. For now, he carries on. Olga Robinson, BBC News.